Hello and welcome to The Green Hornet from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. X-Tree, X-Tree, Sentinel X-Tree, now the most refreshing drink in the world, Orange Crush presents The Green Hornet. the biggest of all game, public enemies who try to destroy our America. With his faithful valet Cato, Britt Reed, daring young publisher, matches wits with the underworld, risking his life that criminals and racketeers within the law may feel its weight by the sting of the Green Hornet. Now ride with Britt Reed in the thrilling adventure of Election Boomerang. The Green Hornet strikes again. The adventures of the Green Hornet are brought to you by the most refreshing drink in the world, Orange Crush. Delicious Orange Crush is made with real fresh oranges. With all its wonderful fresh fruit flavor, sealed in that sunproof Orange Crush brown bottle the exclusive brown bottle that keeps light out, keeps flavor in. Always look for that exclusive brown bottle and enjoy the one and only Orange Crush. Political czar Craig Redlands, candidate for the top local office, county commissioner, was James McLean. McLean's opponent, able and honest, was Edward Gilmer, a strong favorite to win the election. McLean's campaign manager, Charlie Rogers, was gloomy, but Craig Redland reassured him. Oh, Charlie, don't worry. McLean will win easily. Boss, this is one time you're wrong. He hasn't a chance. Don't kid yourself. The Green Hornet will elect him. The Green Hornet? What are you talking about? Charlie, two days from now, the Green Hornet's going to come out against McLean and in favor of Gilmer. He'll bomb our campaign headquarters. What? He'll try to intimidate editors and backers of McLean. And he'll threaten to kill McLean. And me. Great day, boss. You mean he's actually going to do those things? No, not actually. But the public will think it's the Green Hornet who's doing them. Instead, it'll be some of my boys who'll cause all the trouble. Making the voters think it's the Green Hornet. <laughs> You'd give McLean an awful time. I think I see what you have in mind. You create sympathy for McLean by having the Green Hornet persecute him, eh? Yes, and I'll implicate Gilmer with the Hornet while I do it. They'll resent a criminal like the Green Hornet working on Gilmer's side. So, in protest, they'll elect McLean. That's terrific, boss. <laughs> yes, I think it is myself. And Charlie, with McLean in office... I'll milk a million dollars out of the county treasury. I'll be riding the gravy train. You'll need a good man to handle the Green Hornet angle, though. Who's it going to be? Well, Pete Sterling, who else? He'll be here at midnight tonight. I'll go over all my plans with him. Tell him exactly what to do. (laughs) Yes, sir. Pete Sterling's the man. So that's how it is, Pete. I've had fake masks and seals made, and you'll fix your souped-up car to look like the Black Beauty. 
When do you want me to start? Day after tomorrow. Or uh, I should say the night after tomorrow. I'll be ready, Pete. <laughs> sure. Four persons shared the knowledge that Brick Reed, young publisher of the Daily Sentinel, was the Green Hornet. They were Reed's father, his valet Cato, Police Commissioner Higgins, and Reed's secretary, lovely Lenore Case. There was a puzzled frown on Miss Case's face when she entered Reed's private office two mornings later, holding a special delivery letter which had arrived just a few minutes before. Mr. Reed, this wasn't marked personal, so I opened it. But I haven't read it yet because... Well, I saw the way it was signed first. Look at it, Mr. Reed, the signature part first. Great Scott, that looks like... Yes, sir, the seal of the Green Hornet. Wait till I read this. Well... What is it, Mr. Reed? The work of some crank? I suppose so. You'd have an idea from the wording that I'm supposed to think it's legitimate. Really? Here, you read it yourself, Miss Case. It congratulates me because the Sentinel's backing Edward Gilmer for county commissioner. It tells me also that the Green Hornet will punish Jim McLean for opposing Gilmer. Ah, uh, there you are. Hi, Casey. Good morning, Michael. Axford, what's the idea? Uh, busting in like this? Well, Casey wasn't outside to let me in. And besides, what I've got to tell you is too important to wait. What is it that's so important? It's the Green Hornet, Reed. That's what. He's just thrown himself kerplop right into the middle of the election campaign. He has? How? Well, my assignment this morning was just the usual one of stopping by McLean's and Gilmer's headquarters to learn what might be stirring. Well, things sure were stirring at Gilmer's place. Don't tell me the Green Hornet was there. No, but they received a letter from the scallywag. He called McLean a few names and told him to pull out and leave the election clear for Gilmer. Because if McLean didn't quit, it said, he'd end up dead or in the hospital. Well, did the Green Hornet give a reason for his threat? Well, he didn't have to. It's as plain as the nose in your face, but the reason is, Gilmer and the Green Hornet are in cahoots. They want to rob the public, and they're afraid McLean will get elected. Michael, that's absurd. Why, Edward Gilmer's an honest man. Yes, pardon me. Mr. Reed's office? Oh, yes, Commissioner, he's right here. It's Commissioner Higgins. Oh, thank you, Miss Case. Hello, Commissioner. Yes, yes, I did. Axford just told me about the letter McLean received. That's probably the work of some crackpot. This is the season for them before election. The Green Hornet's no crackpot. He's a menace and menace. You have the letter in your office, huh? No, thank you. I don't care to see it. I received a supposed Green Hornet letter myself this morning. Glory be, Cassie. You didn't tell me that. It just came in. I'll show it to you when I meet you at dinner tonight. Let's dine at the Gourmet, shall we? It's directly opposite McLean's headquarters. We'll drop in and see McLean after we've eaten. At dinner that evening, Reed and Commissioner Higgins were discussing the letters which both knew were false. But Higgins was troubled. Sure we know they're fakes, Reed. But neither of us is in a position to tell why we know. Oh, forget about the matter, Commissioner. No, I can't. I've had Boss Redland, Charlie Rogers, and McLean himself on my neck all day. The other newspapers in town, too. Reed, they haven't passed off the haunted angle with a few lines as the Sentinel did. They take the matter seriously. Yeah, so does Axford. Well, he's like most people, Reed. Opposition editors included. It never occurs to him that the public and the country usually benefit when the Green Hornet goes into action. To Axford, as to everyone else, the Green Hornet is a criminal... What's that? Sounds like an earthquake. It came from outside nearby. Hey, look at the people in here. They're in a panic. 
Don't run. Stay right where you are. Nothing's happened here. Don't cross the doorway. Remain inside here. Don't get panicked. I'll see what it is, Reed. There are flames outside. Higgins saw the panic in the street and the flames leaping from the building that housed James McLean's headquarters. He ran back to where Reed had finally calmed the diners. Then together they hurried outside. Higgins sought out a policeman who gave him information. It was a bomb commissioner. They're in the McLean place by the Green Hornet. Did you hear that, Reed? Officer, are you sure? Yes, sir. He got away, the murdering hound. He shot one of our men who tried to stop him. They killed him. Killed a policeman? Yes, sir. The Truman Ludlow. The Green Hornet shot him down in cold blood. Within a matter of minutes, network and local radio programs were interrupted by bulletins announcing the explosion and murder. Later that evening, commentators gave additional information of the tragedy that had suddenly caused the city to become a seething cauldron of public indignation. Police announced that in addition to Patrolman Ludlow, three other persons were killed and eight wounded by the Green Hornet's murderous foray into the McLean Midtown headquarters. Never in the city's history has such... Political boss Craig Redland snapped off his radio set and, ashen-faced, turned to McLean's campaign manager, Charlie Rogers. Oh, it gets worse and worse, Charlie. Pete must have been crazy, boss. Shooting down a policeman of all persons. Well, Pete should be here at any minute. We'll find out what happens when he gets here. When Pete Sterling arrived later, he had no sense of guilt. It was the cop's fault. When I threw the bomb, he came running from nowhere shooting at me. I shot back. <laughs> he missed. I didn't. <laughs> I suppose there was nothing else you could do. Well, I got away, didn't I? The cops think it was the Green Hornet who did it, don't they? So what's the beef? You killed three of our party workers. Uh, so they were unlucky. The boss will send them flowers. Yes, yes, I'll send them flowers. Pete, whether you meant to or not, you fouled up my plans. But you did get results. Sure I did. So what's going to be different? Well, I'll decide tomorrow. After we have the complete reaction to what happened this evening. Okay. I'll call you tomorrow night, Pete. And from now on, all our contacts will be by phone. What are you going to do, boss? You read the papers tomorrow afternoon. I'm going to police headquarters in the morning and see the commissioner. Now, Commissioner, I received this letter from the Green Hornet this morning threatening my life. He says he'll kill me if I don't make McLean quit the race. I read the letter, Mr. Redland. Well, I demand that you arrest Gilmer, Commissioner. He and the Green Hornet have plans to take over the county treasury if McLean quits. And if they do, they'll steal the people blind. Those are your thoughts, Mr. Redland. All I'm concerned with now is trying to catch a mass murderer. We're convinced that the killer last night wasn't really the Green Hornet. The car wasn't the same as his. Nor are the seals on your letter the same as those on the Green Hornet letters in our files. Now see here, Commissioner. You've heard witnesses who saw the bombing and murder last night. They agree it was the Green Hornet who committed both. Yes, Now but... hear me out. In this letter I received, the Green Hornet admits it was he who did those things last night. He threatens my life. I'll give you a 24-hour-a-day police guard, Mr. Redland. Mr. McLean will get the same. Oh, but Gilmer will be free to meet secretly with his partner, the Green Hornet, hmm? You refuse to arrest him and get to the bottom of this matter. Higgins, after a trying session with Redland, left headquarters and hurried to Brick Reed's office, where he, the young publisher, and Miss Case talked in privacy. Reed, I don't mind telling you I'm in a tight spot. I can't come out and say positively that I know the Green Hornet's not involved. I realize that. 
Commissioner, the more I think of what's happened, and the more I think of Redland's actions in past years, the more I'm inclined to believe this entire situation was created to cause Gilmer's withdrawal, so McLean can win in a walkover. Hey, you may have something there. Redland showed absolutely no concern about the persons who were murdered last night. His entire talk was about the political aspects and the outrage against McLean. Well, that's the way his statement to the newspapers read, too. He seemed more concerned with having Mr. Gilmer withdraw from the race. He wanted me to arrest Gilmer. Which would almost certainly cause Gilmer to resign or be removed from his ticket. Right. But your surmise about Redland could be wrong. You realize that, Reed? Of course I do. I'd like to find out if it is, though. I intend to. Uh, Miss Case, look up Redland's telephone numbers. Call him at his home, his office, or wherever he may be. While Miss Case made a series of telephone calls trying to locate Craig Redland, Rick Reed talked in low tones with Commissioner Higgins. Finally, Miss Case completed her efforts. That was Mr. Redland's home again, Mr. Reed. He hasn't returned yet, and I can't locate him anywhere else. Well, who's that on the other end of the phone now? Mr. Rogers, he said his name was. Oh, that's McLean's campaign manager. Mr. Rogers said he was expecting to hear from Mr. Redland, and he'll have Mr. Redland call you when he gets in. Good. I'll wait till I hear from him. Yes, sir. Mr. Reed's been expecting your call. Just a moment, please. Mr. Redland. Oh, thanks. Mr. Redland, it's very important that I talk with you. I'm sorry. It's nothing I can discuss on the phone. Oh, I see. Well, that'll be all right. Hey, Reed. Did you hear the... Quiet, Michael. Go. Mr. Reed's talking. Well, I'll drive out to your place then, Mr. Redland. I'll be there about 8.30. Goodbye. Reed, Gilmer's finished. McLean's going to be elected. You're sure of that, Ashford? Positive. People are phoning and sending telegrams. All demanded him to withdraw. Him being a pal of the Green Harlots is something decent people can't stand. Reed, where are you going? I'm leaving for the night. Good night, Axford. Good night, Miss Case. Good night, Mr. Reed. Say, Reed, don't you want me to go with you to see Redmond? I know how to handle these interviews. No, Axford, I'll do this alone. Suppose you go to police headquarters. If I need your help, I'll call you there. We'll continue our story in just a moment. Hi, fellas and gals. Isn't this an exciting story? But let's take time out to relax a minute. And say, when it comes to relaxing, you know what's really great? It's a drink of ice-cold, delicious Orange Crush. That delightful, tangy Orange Crush flavor is so wonderfully refreshing. You can taste the sunny, ripened goodness of fresh California oranges. Orange Crush is made from real oranges. Yes, the finest, juiciest, tree-ripened oranges in all California. There's nothing artificial about Orange Crush. No artificial flavoring, no artificial coloring. That golden, fresh fruit Orange Crush goodness is nature's and nature's alone. That's why you can drink all you want of delicious Orange Crush. It's good for you, really nourishing. And that's something you want to tell your mom. Tell her you like Orange Crush. Tell her to keep the refrigerator stocked up with Orange Crush all the time. She can pick it up at her grocer's in a six-bottle handy pack. And let me tell you something important. Whenever you or Mom go to buy Orange Crush, make sure you get the real thing. Don't just say orange. Say, I want Orange Crush. There's no other drink so good. No other drink in the whole world with the same luscious, fresh fruit flavor. 
you'll recognize Orange Crush by its famous crinkly brown bottle, the sunproof bottle that keeps sunlight out and keeps the flavor in. So always ask for and be sure you get genuine Orange Crush. That's O-R-A-N-G-E-C-R-U-S-H, Orange Crush. Now back to the Green Hornet. At 8 o'clock, Brick Reed prepared to leave his apartment with Cato, his faithful confidant. Let me check. I have my mask in this pocket. My gas gun in this. Cato, do you have my dark raincoat in the car? Oh, yes, Mr. Britt. Put it there like you say. Then let's set out for Redland's place. Well, Mr. Britt, if you think maybe a green hornet going to do things later, or perhaps we use black beauty... No, no, Cato, we'll forget it tonight. First of all, there may be no reason to assume the green hornet role this evening. Secondly, I want you to drive me directly to the door of Redland's house. And regardless of what happens, I want you to drive away from there later. Oh, very well, Mr. Britt. Somebody downstairs. Oh, don't bother pressing the button, Cato. Oh, that's Commissioner Higgins. He'll be waiting outside for me. Commissioner Higgins, whose car was parked a short distance away from the house was waiting in front of the apartment building when Reed emerged. The conversation between the two men was brief. Higgins concluded, And five minutes after you get to Redland's place, I'll arrange to drive up and talk to the policeman I placed on guard in front of the main entrance to the grounds. Oh, that'll be perfect. I uh, hope you don't mind doing this, Commissioner. Reed, I've never been more concerned in solving a crime in all my life. I'll do anything to get at the truth. I feel the same way. I'll keep the officer on guard in conversation till after your car departs. I'll meet you or Cato in case you stay on at Redlands, the place we agreed. Good luck, Reed. Yeah, for both of us, Commissioner. All right, Cato. Five minutes after Britt Reed entered the main gate to the palatial home of Craig Redland and went on to the front door, another car stopped near the policeman on duty there. Commissioner Higgins parked the car and walked over to the patrolman. Good evening, officer. Oh, hello, Commissioner. Anything been stirring around here? Thought I'd make a first-hand inspection of the situation. Inside the house, Britt Reed had wasted no time in getting to the point, a point that had Craig Redland's face flushed. While Charlie Rogers stood beside Redland and listened, Reed repeated the theories he had outlined to Commissioner Higgins earlier that day and ended... And, Redland, because I want to see justice in every sense of the word, I refuse to use the Daily Sentinel columns to demand Edward Gilmer's withdrawal from the race. You mean to say you don't believe the Green Hornet did this thing last night? That's my belief? Yes. I told you why. I went to police headquarters and went over the evidence they have there. For one thing, in all the crimes he's been accused of, the Green Hornet has never resorted to murder. Well, there's always a first time. The way you talk, Reed, you'd think I staged that incident last night. Did I sound that way? You most certainly did. Well, Mr. Redland, I wanted to tell you face to face why the Daily Sentinel didn't publish your statement today. We're opposed to libel. Good night again. Well, now wait a second. Charlie will see you to your car. Charlie Rogers escorted Reed to his automobile and watched it disappear down the landscape path that led to the main gate. 
Masked by giant cedar trees that fringed the path, Cato slowed the car halfway to the gate. We do not see us now from coast, Mr. Benton. You jump out. I go on. Watch out. Don't bump tree. Coat and hatter in place. Here it goes. Reed leaped nimbly from the car and sprinted in among the trees. Cato looked back to where Reed had arranged his top coat and hat so that a man seemed to be sitting in the back seat. That looked very good. Outside the estate, Commissioner Higgins had maneuvered the policeman on guard to a spot about ten yards from the gate. As Cato drove the car onto the road and turned in a direction away from the men, Higgins waved at the silhouette in the rear seat of the car. Hi there, Reed. Good to see you. He turned nonchalantly to the policeman. Well, that was Britt Reed, publisher of the Sentinel. Oh, Reed, huh? As I was saying, officer, when your 12-weight relief comes on duty, I'd like to speak to you. At that moment, Britt Reed, in the mask of the Green Hornet and wearing a dark raincoat, used his special key to gain admittance to the Redland house by way of a side door. He heard Redland's voice in the study, and stealthily he made his way along the dimly lit hall and entered the room next to the study. He hurried across the dark and empty room and placed his ear against the sliding doors that separated the two rooms. In his study, an angry and nervous Craig Redlin checked over a series of addresses before him. Then he returned to the outburst he had started after Charlie Rogers had returned from seeing Reed to his car. Smug look on Reed's face made me want to hit him right in the jaw. He's a smarter fellow than most people give him credit for being, boss. He guessed right off the bat that it wasn't the Green Hornet last night. Higgins was much the same way. You know I'd like to have Pete take care of both of those smart guys. Well, why don't you, boss? And make it look as if the Green Hornet did the job. Yes, perhaps that's what I'll do. But first I'll see if I can make this Green Hornet plan of mine go over. Why do you want these lists of our warden precinct headquarters? Because I'm about to call Pete Sterling. Come to have those places blown to kingdom come. There'll be a note from the Green Hornet left at each of the bomb places. And they'll include Gilmer for sure. Now, Charlie, hand me the phone. Here you are, boy. Thanks. I'll settle this thing once and for all. Who do they think they're playing with, kids? Huh. Yes, Pete. Now listen. Were all your men there? Then where are they? Well, give me the addresses. 1085 Indervale Avenue. Remember that, Charlie. I have it, boy. Now, Pete, you and your boys are going into high gear tonight. I want some of the McLean headquarters blown up. Charlie will bring your men to the addresses of the places. And he'll also bring them Green Hornet notes to be left near the places they bomb. Oh, uh, Charlie... Get me blank letterheads and green hornet seals from the desk. Right away, boss. Now, Pete, get in touch with your boys. Tell them Charlie will give them instructions. He'll leave here in a few minutes. You! I want you to come here within an hour. Right. Now, listen. You have that gun you used on the cop last night. All right, bring it along with you. Don't ask questions. Just do as I say. Goodbye. Here you are, boss. Are you going to write the green hornet notes now? Yes, Take them with a list of addresses to the hideout. I'll call you there after Pete gets here. What's he going to do here? I'm not telling you, Charlie. But I promise you this. It'll make Britt Reed and Commissioner Higgins look like fools. The Green Hornet had heard everything that was said. He made his way to the rear door of the house. When the sound of Roger's departing car had faded, he let himself out the door 
plunged into the underbrush and ran out onto a back road, heading for the place where he'd arranged to meet Cato and Commissioner Higgins. Rick Reed, without the Green Hornet's mask and carrying his black raincoat, arrived at the spot where Commissioner Higgins and Cato waited. Cars parked near to each other. Reed, you've come sooner than I expected. Did you learn anything? Everything, Commissioner. Listen. Reed repeated all he had heard. Higgins was astounded. Why, Reed, this means the entire case is right in our hands, all sewed up. Yes. This Pete Sterling, who's due at Redland's place, is bringing the gun he used last night. But why? Well, that's something you must learn for yourself, Commissioner. Cato and I are returning home, but I left the rear door of Redland's house open. Now, if you summon your police here and enter without Redland's hearing you, chances are you'll learn whatever else there is to know. This is a good thing. I'm very glad for sake of Green Hornet. And for Edward Gilmer's sake, too, Cato. What's the address where Rogers is heading? 1085 Entervale Avenue. Way on the outskirts. I'll call headquarters and tell them to get men out there, ready to take over the place after Rogers gets there. Then I'll have a squad come here and we'll work our way into the Redland house. Sterling entered the study with Redland after the latter had admitted him to the house. Well, I'm here with the old rascal, boss. What do you want me to do with it? Shoot me. Sure. I... Huh? What did you say? I said shoot me. <laughs> In the shoulder, Pete. Uh, that's the gun you shot the cop with last night, isn't it? Yeah. But why shoot you with it? I don't get it. You don't have to. But the police and newspapers will. And that's what I want. It'll convince Commissioner Higgins that the Green Hornet shot me. How will it do that? Because you'll wipe your fingerprints from the gun and leave it behind. I'll say the Green Hornet dropped it as he fled. Then what? The police will examine the gun. They'll find that the bullet which killed the policeman came from this same gun. Hey, that's a good idea. But I still see no reason to shoot you. Well, I do. I think Higgins has a faint idea that this whole thing's a frame-up. And if he has... He'll lose it quickly when he learns that I've been shot by the Green Hornet. I don't think we'll lose what? the Redland. Higgins! The cops, look at them! Grab that gun, Pete! Oh, oh my side! I'm now, hit. don't shoot me! Don't shoot! That's funny. No. I thought that's what you wanted. No, Redland, we'll save you and Pete for the electric chair. We know everything. Uh, uh, everything? Yes. Take care of that fellow on the floor, Sergeant. Then call an ambulance. Have three men go to the hospital with him. Yes, sir. Redland, suppose you come along quietly. You'll be happy, I'm sure, to meet the fake Green Hornet and his gang who'll be waiting for us at headquarters. Fake Green Hornet? Yes. We received a radio message a few minutes ago that your gang and Charlie Rogers had been arrested. That's right. It came over the police radio in the squad car that brought me here with the cops from headquarters. They found his gang and a car that was fake to look like the Hornets. And fake seals, too. They found everything but the real Hornet himself. Now, just how did you learn all these things, Commissioner? I received the information most mysteriously. From a voice that said he was the real Green Hornet. I took the tip he gave me and... Well, he must have been smarter than you thought, Redland. Yes, yes. Where's Bruce Reed? Didn't he come here tonight? Reed? He left here more than an hour ago. It was his riding me that caused me to attempt these things tonight. He's the so-and-so who got me into this mess. Uh, did he know? That's funny. I thought Higgins said it was the Green Hornet. <laughs> Green Hornet clears. That's the Lexi Pet 
That's the Green Hornet story for today. Another exciting story brought to you by the most refreshing drink in the world. The drink that's actually good for you because it's made with real oranges. The one and only Orange Crush. It sparkles, it tingles, it makes you feel fresh again. Always keep several bottles in your refrigerator. And always remember, the handy way to do that is to get the handy pack. Six bottles of Orange Crush in a handy carrying case. This program is a feature of the Green Hornet Incorporated. Created by George W. Trendle, produced by Trendle Campbell Muir Incorporated, directed by Charles D. Livingston, and edited by Fran Stryker. The part of the Green Hornet is played by Jack McCarthy. This copyrighted feature originates in Detroit, and all characters, places, and incidents used are fictitious. The Green Hornet is brought to you every Wednesday and Friday at this same time by the most refreshing drink in the world, Orange Crush. That's the drink you like best of all. Try it. Next time, ask for Orange Crush. But remember, don't say orange. Say Orange Crush. O-R-A-N-G-E-C-R-U-S-H. Orange Crush. Next Friday, listen to the Green Hornet again in the exciting story of danger entitled The Proof of Treason. And now till Friday, this is Fred Foy saying so long from Orange Crush. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.